Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us for this amazing episode. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about the Brinkman Adventures audio drama. We go behind the scenes, we speak to the actors and the writers, and uh, most importantly, the missionaries, the people who have lived these stories. And again, we have an amazing guest with us. And um, today I have a very special co-host with me. It is our friend John Reinhardt. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. We're so glad. I mean, you're in for just for a little bit from where? Sunny California. Sunny California. And you're here in our cloudy Wisconsin. We're so glad to have you. Today we're talking about an episode, which I love. This one is called, actually, it's a two-parter. It's How Big Is Your God? Part 1 and 2. Now, I know that your kids have the Brinkmans, and do you guys have season two? They love this episode. Tell me one bit about it that you can remember them talking about. Well, after after listening to this episode, my son was walking around the house saying, How big is your God? He just kept <laughs> repeating that line over and over again. I love, I love that. Like, yes. I love that line. That is an amazing line. And it's said a couple times in this episode, and it's said by a very powerful man who's challenging someone. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk to the person who this actually happened to. Um, but before we do that, I want to play a little clip of the episode and to kind of get us into it. Josh, you want to play that clip for us? No more candy. Don't touch that. You're doing it again. Do you think he's available now? 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 Okay, I check. Johnny Bent is in my office. You are not letting him in? Let him in. The director will see you now. Hi, Johnny. How are you? Fine. How's your mother? Fine. How's your mother? She died. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How's your father, Johnny? He's fine. Uh, how's your... Oh, um, never mind. You don't recognize me, do you, Johnny? I wish I did, but but no, I I don't. I'm sorry. Johnny, I was your babysitter when you were a little boy. <gasps> Miss Lammy. Your parents led me to Jesus, but over the years, I stopped obeying him. Recently, I went to church and got right with God. Then I got this job. Three weeks ago, I got down on my knees and prayed. I said, God... How can I help other people find Jesus? Then, three weeks later, Johnny Benty walked in my office. Johnny, how can I help you? We want to plant churches in the developments, starting with the one in Kwai Fong, where a manager kicked me out. I know that man. I'll take care of it. Go back there in three weeks. I just love that scene. I just love it, first of all, because it starts out so crazy. I mean, he's he's just being kind of ridiculous. He's being annoying for Jesus. But at the same time, there's something else going on. And the surprise is that this big, you know, the person in charge of all the developments, which is a huge job, is this woman who was his babysitter. What are the odds of that? Incredible. Incredible. And so many churches were planted through that. So I just love this story. It's It's so encouraging and inspiring. And I think... I think what it does is it helps us realize, let's be bold. Let's be bold in helping God come into these areas. And you see so clearly in, in these every episode with John Benty, he's an outside-of-the-box missionary. Yes. He's not just following the rules and doing it. He's thinking creatively for God. It's amazing. Yes, and I love that. And I think I think it helps because a lot of times we feel so, you know, we have to be so perfect. And then we become unreal. And we become kind yeah. of unrelatable a little. So I'm grateful for that, even that funny spark that he has in that episode. 
So actually, he's here with us today, and we just want to say thank you so much, John Bechtel, for coming and joining us again today. I'm happy to be here. And so tell us, what was going through your mind? Were you really that persistent, <laughs> clicking your pen, and what happened? I'm a persistent person. <laughs> uh, that's how I made it to age 80. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, I feel we need to be bold for God. If we can't be bold for God, we're nothing. And sometimes uh, people try to block you, and you know that God wants this to go ahead. And he removed the director from that position because the director was drinking too much, hmm. a man from Scotland, and they liked their booze, and he was getting drunk. They fired him and made this lady the director of all the resettlement areas in Hong Kong. And I went to see him. Turned out I saw her. I didn't know who in the world she was, mm. but uh, we got to know each other and became good friends. And by the time we were done, we planted 134 churches in Hong Kong. Wow. And we had recently, I went back for a, a reunion. We hired the biggest football stadium in Hong Kong. We had 36,000 people inside the stadium wow. and 12,000 by police count outside the stadium. I spoke. When I started speaking in Chinese, everybody went crazy. And uh, we had a great meeting. And uh, it proves that God can do anything if we just yeah. trust him. And, and sometimes to trust him, you got to be bold. And, you, and uh, I've never had a problem being bold. John, I'm curious, did you have any missionary examples growing up or biographies you read or stories about people who were bold who sort of set that trajectory for you? My father was a very successful businessman and from a big, a big house in Albany, New York. His grandfather was General Custer's bugler. I have the bugle and sword to prove it. <laughs> so he came from a family that knew how to get things done. God spoke to him when he had a very big job in Albany, called him to be a missionary. Mm. And I watched my father do things that were unbelievable, and that's where I think I caught it. And, and I trust God to do anything that needs to be done. Wow. Now, sometimes I ask him to do things that don't need to be done, and he doesn't do them. And, and I don't, don't understand that. I get a little mad for a little while, but uh, then I realize that it really didn't matter if I didn't get on that plane. I'll get on the next one. So, but in import, when it comes to important things like planting churches, God's all in. And, and you can trust him, and you can be bold. I love that because it, you guys were planting churches in the new high-rise apartments right. that were being built, right? That's right. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we kind of are hesitant about those new things. Like, oh, the city, and I don't know where we're going to fit there. And I just love that you went straight to the top. You said, these things are going to be there. There's going to be thousands of people. Let's go there right now. Right. So if you had hesitated, I just, it's amazing. It's amazing the obedience and the, resp the what happened because of your obedience. So I just love that. There had no, no churches been planted for five or six years when I became the chairman. I was the youngest chairman that ever happened. And I said, we're going to plant churches. And, and the, the, the older missionary said to me, there's no place to plant them. Hong Kong's wall-to-wall you know, -wall people yeah. and stuff and so on it's and so huge. forth. When God wants to do something, guess what? He's going to do it. He Just get it. out of the way. That's right. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Get out of the way. Now, you grew up in Hong Kong. Is that right? 
I was born in Hong Kong. Born in Hong Kong. I escaped before the war. My dad was a prisoner of war for two years. He lost 96 pounds, and by God's grace and mercy, I've gained all 96 pounds back. <laughs> it's not lost in your family. It's not lost in my family. Wow. So I, from a missionary family, wow. uh, he, he gave up his business. I married a lady from Ireland, my mother. They went to, to Hong Kong, and they planted a church there. That's one of the largest churches there. And from that church, all these other churches have been planted. Okay, wow. So that's that's kind of your legacy, and that's, well, the legacy your dad left, and you're just, yeah. like, taking that forward. Absolutely. You've worked in China or Hong Kong for a long time and working in other areas, too, around the world. And as we're talking to you, we couldn't help but wonder, where do you see missions going? And, okay, just, just tell us from your perspective. You've been doing this a long time. Where are we at right now in, in regards to missions? And, and then we'll kind of ask about the future. It's a very good question. I'm concerned about the youth of the United States. I get to talk to people who want to be missionaries, and they, they want to be missionaries almost for the wrong reason. What do you mean by that? Because they, they, they kind of think it's cool or something. And they want to go on a missions trip. And they want to go on a mission trip. And I'm not against, I love missions trips. I had millions of them come to Hong Kong. Lots of them come to Hong Kong. But I found that as I talked to the young people on these mission trips, they would say, well, I'm just here to see what it's like to see if I'd like to come here. And I would tell them the missionaries that went to Africa and China uh, many years ago packed their things in a coffin because they knew they were going to be buried there. And... I, I think a lot of that has gone out of our missions thrust here, but it's being taken up by places like China, who are sending missionaries around the world, and other places that are sending missionaries out, who are, uh, who are what I call lifers, who say, I'm willing to go no matter what, come hell or high water, I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. And... Uh, I, I, work, I work with Ravi Zacharias, and I see people, these young people now, are coming and saying, I'm ready to go. Just tell me where to go. I'll go there the rest of my life. And, and I, I was in Hong Kong recently, and a guy was back from the mission field. He's an eye surgeon. He's in Africa where there's no electricity or anything else. God called me there when I was young, and I went there, and I'm going to stay there till I die. And that's what we're looking for, lifers. Wow. So let me ask you about that, because there's a lot of kids who will be listening to the Brinkman Adventures, and they'll be inspired about missions for the first time. They're getting exposed to it. They've never seen it. They've never heard about it before. And and they'll think, man, that, that sounds really cool. That does sound like something I'd like to give my life to. And even my own daughter, Willow, who's turning 10 very soon, is interested in becoming a missionary to Thailand someday, what would you want to say to the little kids growing up around the world who are listening to the Brinkmans, and they're hearing these amazing God stories but there's a call to be bold and there's a call to, to risk your life for something like this. What would you want to say to little kids who, who are thinking about that? The first thing to say to them is to make sure that they're talking daily to God and reading their Bible daily and getting their call. We call it a call, but getting their understanding of go. The last command of Jesus was to go. Now, we better listen to his last command. And, but if you're going to go, don't just say, I'd like to go out and paint some houses and come back. Go to paint the houses, but while you're there, talk to people about Jesus. 
And you, I, I sent two kids that came to Hong Kong one time, and I asked them on the first day there to help me uh, paint some barrels for a missionary lady who was sick and had to go home. And one guy said, I didn't come here to paint barrels. And I said, tomorrow you won't be here. You're going home because you've got the wrong attitude. We need people to go on mission trips who go to, to see what the opportunities are and to ask God to use them somehow in those opportunities. Maybe it's to have a business here and give money. Maybe it's to uh, bring up your children so they'll want to be missionaries. There's 4,000 ways to do this, but we got to get it done because that is the last command of Jesus. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What part of that don't you understand? So good. A couple of things I want to highlight from what you said is the, there's a servant heartedness that needs to be kind of the posture of a of missionary where it's, I'm definitely going to share Jesus, but I'm mm-hmm. also willing and able to do whatever God asked me to do That's right. as small yeah. as painting a barrel. But there's also a second component that you highlighted right at the beginning. And I love that because how are you going to tell someone about Jesus if you don't know him? That's right. You need to yeah. pray and be talking to him daily. You need to be understanding who he is from his word and reading your Bible consistently. When you know him, then it's easy to talk about him and you actually have something to share. Mm-hmm. See, the, 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 the best answer to that that I have is, we, we use the word, I was called to be a missionary. We just let that just fly out of our mouth. Yeah. When I was called to be a missionary, I knew I was going to be a missionary. I, I didn't care. I was a school principal when I was called to be a missionary. I was the youngest principal in Florida. I loved it. I never had so much money. I had a new car, a new wife, a new house, and I was the big shot in the school. But God called me to be a missionary Back where I could speak Chinese, I loved the Chinese people. They knew me. I knew them. And that was it. I didn't care about the school. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about anything. God called me to be a missionary. And I didn't have to to argue with him. I wanted to do it. Yeah, tell us that story because you were a principal and there was something else. There was a turning point moment for you as a principal that led you to know I'm called to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. You grew up as a missionary kid, so that was familiar to you. But there was a specific moment where God used you in the life of someone that turned that for you. The last thing I wanted to do was be a missionary. Wow. Because we were poor. (laughs) We we put on clothes out of the missionary barrel. We came back to America where I was from and once every seven years. And when we got here, my dad went out and spoke somewhere and I never saw him until we went back to Hong Kong. On and on. And when I became that school principal, a doctor there who was on the board took an interest in me. And I started listening to that doctor. He said, you've got to learn how to lead people to Christ. I had never, ever shared my faith with anybody in my life to that point. And, and I'm this principal of the school. So he says, we're going to go out and, and learn the four spiritual laws. So we learned them backwards and forwards. And we went out the first night. And he said on the way, I got to stop in the Publix uh, grocery store to buy something, wait out in the car. I said, no, I'll walk in, walk in with you. I went in and I saw a young boy come through the checkout. He's looking at me and I think he knows who I am. So I said, how are you doing tonight? He said, fine. And I thought, I've got to talk to him about Jesus. Mm. So I said to that young boy, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute. Come on over here. 
So he said, have I done something wrong? I said, no. He says, well, I know you're the school principal. <laughs> I said, I am. But I want to talk to you about something else. I talked to that boy. I, I went through the four spiritual laws, and that's nothing magic about them. That's just the way I learned how to do it in those days. And that boy accepted Christ, and to this day, he's a big member of a church in Florida, and I go see him when I go to Lakeland. So that experience, and an experience I had in a home one time where I went in, and the doctor said to me, tell these people what you know about Jesus and how they can get to know him. I didn't know. And, that, and mm. then I had that experience at the grocery store. My mm. life changed just like that. And and uh, I told the school I was leaving. They they couldn't believe it. Wow. You got this job and you're leaving. You're kidding me. I said no. I'm not kidding you. I'm going. I'm going back to Hong Kong. I speak Chinese. I know the Chinese people. I love them. That's where God's called me. My wife's the same way. We're going. And we went. And we were there for a long time. Well, two things that are amazing to me about that story, Sarah, are number one, this doctor we've never heard of. <laughs> right. This doctor yeah. who has such an influence in John Bechtel's life who we don't even know his name right now, but he, he had a massive influence. And second, this call for us in, and all the kids listening to think about how can I begin to share the gospel now? How can I begin to talk to people about Jesus now and develop the kind of boldness that it's actually going to take on the mission field in a foreign country? Absolutely. That's huge because I think a lot of times we think, oh, I don't know what's, how it's going to go down. I don't know what's going to happen. And I wanted to talk to you about that too. I think so many of us are afraid to share our faith because we think we're going to mess it up. And... What would you say to those kind of people where they say, I want to, but I don't know how exactly, you know, that hesitancy. What would you say to that kind of person? I'd say to that kind of person that even Bill Bright was afraid to to witness to people and Art DeMoss and those people that, that I hung around with later in life. You just you just got to start talking about Jesus. And, and, and you'll be amazed at how the opportunity comes up. Hmm. And you just say, well, you know, I wouldn't have done that because I'm a follower of God. Hmm. You are? How'd that happen? People in New Guinea who don't know diddly from squat can give the gospel to some of their people in the way they do it. We have our way of doing it. They have their way of doing it. And people come to Christ. And you think you're doing it? You're not. God's doing it. He's using you to plant the seed that that person will water and become a follower of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And the point is, to, like you said, to keep talking about Jesus. That's right. Who he is, what he's done, why he came. That's right. There's still so yeah. many people in this world who've never heard of him or he's just some fictionalized thought in their yeah. mind or some religious leader from history, but they, they actually don't know him. Keep it on yeah. Jesus is what you're saying. Keep talking I, about him. I could give you stories now for the next 20 minutes about people. I'll give you one in Russia. I said, do you know who Michael Jordan is? Oh, yeah, he's a basketball player. I went down through, uh, do, do you know these people? Do you know these people? And I said, finally, after about six people, he knew all about them. Hmm. I said, how about Jesus? What? Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. Was he a basketball player? No, he wasn't a basketball player. <laughs> he might have played basketball, but we don't know about that. And... and, and uh, you wow. just got to be bold and tell people about Jesus. That's so good. And yeah. if they get mad at you, say, thank you, Lord. At least I tried. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people here in the States are afraid of people not liking what them, they're saying, that persecution. And 
Persecution is something we don't like. We don't want here. We want to be politically correct. We want to make sure people are always feeling okay. And I think what I loved what you said. It doesn't matter how they see you. It's not about you. It's about letting him be known and letting him be seen. And if you get a little flack for that, that's okay. And I think maybe our kids need to know that. They get rewards for getting flack. Yeah. And we don't talk about that. We just think, oh, just be a nice person. Don't make your friends feel bad. Make sure they're okay, you know, and we want to love people, but I think love is deeper than just making them feel happy in this second. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're an amazing example for that. And it is love that's driving us. And I think one thing, and maybe you, either of you guys can speak to this, I think in our culture right now, there's a, a people saying love is the most important thing. We need to love people. And Christians aren't being loving because they're saying you're bad. You're you're doing bad things. So talk to us a little bit about that. If we're talking to somebody, they say you're being judgmental and you're being a mean person by telling me I'm sinning, or you wouldn't say you're a sinner, but by even suggesting that maybe my lifestyle is not. What would you? What do you say to that kind of conversation? I say to them, Have you died for anybody? You're sitting beside me on an airplane. Have you died for anybody? Jesus died for all of us. Really? They don't never heard that part. I think you got to be you, you don't say turn or burn, you know. No. You got to be careful how you do it. And some people you do it one way and some people you do it the other and you, you can just get into a conversation. Some people say, "I don't want to hear any more about that." Mm-hmm. Okay? You know where you're going. You better hear it. One thing I've found effective, because in, in this culture, the real issue is Jesus. It's, is he the exclusive savior of the world? Is he the one name yeah. under heaven by which men must be saved? Or is he one of many options and one, you know, all roads lead to God? And as I've been sharing the gospel with people and talking to them about Jesus, that's the sticky point. That's the point that's tough to talk about until you said, did you know that Jesus actually said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'll say to them, as as a Christian, you want me to believe, you want me to be wholehearted in this, don't you? You want me to actually try to follow the words of Jesus. And, And this is what he said. And so for me to be a faithful Christian, I can't back off of what Jesus actually said and I can't water it down. I can't change the words. You wouldn't want me to be sort of compromising, would you, as a believer? And most of the time, people are like, oh, no, I I wouldn't want you to compromise your beliefs because all of a sudden that's on them. But you say, but this is just what he said. This is what he said. And for me to be a faithful Christian, I have to follow through with what Jesus said. And I think it's it's back to what John said earlier, for, for kids to read the Bible, to know what Jesus actually said, let that sink into a level of conviction in your heart so that pleasing a person in front of you or having them think you're nice or liking you is actually le- you're less convicted about that being a value than what the Bible has actually shown you to be true. That's so good. And that's such a good good spot to end on, I think, because let let that be, you know, in each of us. And let, I, let your light shine. Let your light shine. And I think it would be so cool, John. I don't know if you'd be willing to just pray right now for the kids, parents and kids who would be listening to this, and even the Brinkmans, that they would have that heart. Would you do that for us to close? Lord, we come before you. You've told us to bring things to you that we're thinking about. And here we are. We thank you for the Brinkman stories. And Lord, as children hear these stories, help them to be bold. I think children are more bold than adults. And I pray that you would give them courage and boldness to present 
the way they have met Jesus in their lives. And, and I pray, Lord, that these people will be reached as young people and will live their lives pleasing to you and telling other people about you. One person telling another person where to find bread. So I pray for the young people who hear these stories. I pray for their parents that might hear them and don't know you. And I just pray that you would give these people courage to go out and proclaim your word. That's what you told us to do, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. And we can do it in different ways, but we better be doing it. And we thank you that you give us the courage, you give us the knowledge, you give us the words to say when we put it in your hands and ask you to do so. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, John and John, for joining us. It's been such a special time. Thank you so much. And um, thank you, too, for joining us and listening to this podcast. We just um, just pray that this has touched your heart and that God does continue to give each of us boldness to do what he's calling us to do today. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more about the Brinkman Adventures, go to brinkmanadventures.com. You can get the episode that this podcast is based on, How Big Is Your God, Part 1 and 2. And that's also in Season 2. So thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.